This episode of Black Love the Interviews is brought to you commercial free by Target. Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. We met in 2011. Seven. Oh. Yes, seven. We married in 2007. No, we married in 11. We met in seven. Yeah. (laughs) We married in 2011. We Mm -hmm. met in 2007. Correct. October. Yeah. October 2007. Mm Mm-hmm. You were 19. Mm-hmm. I was, was I 22 or 23? You'd have been 22. 22? Because you're three years, 11 months older than me. Well, then I would have made it 23 because you would turn 20 in this is a lot. December. <laughs> okay. Right? I was a heavy Jesus lover um, on a college campus. I was still a freshman and really just really focusing on being the true my, the true person God had created me to be. And I went to a concert that my church was putting on, didn't know him. His two sisters were going to the church that I attended and he was invited um, to come back to sing one of his singles from his album he was getting ready to release. And God told him not to sing and he got up and it became this like crazy revival on our campus where he ended up basically forgetting that he was a Kappa because he had been known on the yards as this Kappa man and really just helped the people that were my age kind of consider what we were struggling with, depression, fornication, I mean depression, you name it. He was just going after it all and just telling us that we could be free from that. And I had never seen a God that loved God that way that young. So I had the only stipulation I had ever had when it became as it pertained to the God that I would date was that I wanted somebody to love God the way I loved him because I knew I had a real genuine love for him. He did have that, and so I was really awestruck by this major um, thing that he portrayed on the stage that day. And so he kind of did this whole thing where we prayed and all this stuff, and then we met in the parking lot afterward where he asked me and my friends our name, and I was the last person to speak, and I was like, my name's Jackie. He was like, oh, I like Kathy, and I was like, my name's Jackie. He was like, I like Kathy, and that was his way of flirting. And so that was somewhat of our introduction. I was just kind of taken back by his love for God. I wasn't flirting. I wasn't flirting. I just thought. And then I found out he had this cocky thing where he didn't ask girls their phone number the first time. He felt like if it was meant to be, he would ask them the next time he saw them if it was supposed to happen. So... I wasn't yeah. flirting. I was focused. Yeah. She yeah. just looked like her name should be Kathy. Whatever. So. Dumb. Georgia Southern University, yeah, I had already graduated, and I came back. Um, and that's where we met. And so a few months later, uh, or a month later, I guess, it I saw her again. And uh, I took her phone out of her hand and I put my number in it. And I told her, I was like, you didn't have to ask for it. That's the polite thing to do. So I took this the initiative. I took the initiative <laughs> to give her my number. Very bold. And I, we hung out that night. And that was our first date, I guess. And we went to Waffle House, which is a restaurant <laughs> the in the South. Mm-hmm. And, um, we sat by each other, and the rest was history. So that was 11 years ago. Almost. Man, almost 11 years. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I've always been very sure about what I did, and so I never go into anything 
haphazard or just lackadaisical. So I wouldn't say that it was like, oh, I want to marry this man when I met him. But at the same time, I knew if I was considering it, that it was something long term for me. Mm-hmm. No. He was not. Marriage was nowhere. <laughs> I knew she was special. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had an innocence and a purity about her that really um, it captivated my heart and my attention. And so she was just someone I could never lie to, no matter what, mm-hmm. no matter how immature and crazy I was. I was like, man, this girl is just pure. <laughs> and um, that's what really got my attention. And so um, it took me a few years to kind of grow up and get my He had a huge ego. She was really mature <laughs> at 19, though. She was 19, but she was really 30. Like, even at 19. I mean, she would, she could have gotten married and had kids at 19. She was really... I was very Really, really serious. Solid, really mature. Biology major, heading toward dentistry. Everything was... He really helped with that. Like, just relax in life, for sure. Yeah, she was a little uptight. <laughs> but, uh, I think she let her guard down around me, which was cool. And then uh, I, I proposed three years later, and then we got married. Or four years later. I don't know. But we got married in 2011. <laughs> what was cool about us um, getting married in 2011 was a couple of things. One, I was broke. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had nothing at all. Her parents paid for the whole wedding, and it was immaculate. It, it was, was uh, coming to America. I mean, it was larger <laughs> than life. It was crazy. We had and, um, 26 people in the wedding. Yeah, the wedding party. It was huge. The wedding party was a big ghetto. It was just too many people. Not ghetto. <laughs> it was nothing ghetto about my wedding, but it, it was, was a lot of people it was in big. the wedding. Everybody who we've known. I mean, <laughs> it was, but it was great. Um, a lot of great friends, a lot of great memories. But I love, I love kind of where I was when we got married because, uh, well, we were because, um, you know, we didn't really have much, but we had each other. We and did. that gave us a lot of joy. And we were just excited about this new journey together. And then... Um, Tell us like a little... Yeah, so the, the name of our wedding... Mm-hmm. This is girly. But the name of our <laughs> wedding was... Uh, no one cares about you, baby. I do. It was uh, called Circle of Love. And so um, I think what really inspired it was our parents, my, my parents' marriage, which lasted, I think, seven years because my father ended up dying randomly of an aneurysm. He was 28 years old. And so um, she wanted to have a wedding that was symbolic of just the continuation mm-hmm. of what was some 20 odd years ago. And so I wear my father's wedding ring, mm-hmm. um, and I, which has this nature inside of it. So it's really special to me. Mm-hmm. And so we, we started off great, an amazing wedding. Amazing. Our honeymoon was off the chain. <laughs> um, and it was, it was great. And I, I, I think the first really i think it was it was really like a a fairy tale up until our pregnancy the first pregnancy Mm -hmm. yeah so i remember man i was that was a crazy time so for us the first pregnancy was the unexpected hit in our life everything had been as he said fairy tale everything just flowing really smoothly I was at my senior year of dental school and just expecting everything to be normal. We were so excited. I went in for my 20-week anatomy scan and I could tell something was just off with the sonographer. Like we were planning a gender reveal. Yeah, we were. I was supposed Which to get the, the little envelope. <laughs> and she did the whole envelope thing, but she just seemed off because I had been I had been to see her before. And she told me 
and she couldn't tell me anything. My doctor came in and she told me that I had to be immediately admitted into the hospital. I'm only 26, didn't expect anything, had no pain. And from there, my doctor said my cervix was wide open and my back was bulging. They needed to wheel me in a wheelchair down to a room and that I would be there for some time. We went- The doctor was really explicit. She pretty much told us <laughs> that her water broke. Said, uh, yeah, the child isn't gonna make it. You guys can go home and try again. Like, just pull the baby out. This is what she told us. We were in Augusta, Georgia. She called him into the hallway. And so she was very direct, but we prayed. We called our family, and Mm -hmm. our mothers came, and we really just prayed for a miracle. And God did it. He performed a miracle, Mm -hmm. and really, I mean, supernaturally resealed her womb. And fluid uh, levels rebuilt. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. it was crazy. And Mm -hmm. she was in the hospital for two months on bed rest, and then our son was born. 28 weeks. Mm-hmm. We were so excited, and uh, they kept him in the in the in the hospital for two months as well. Right. But then he was released to come home and perfect health, and that's really when I think really our journey really kind of started together as far as being home because up until that point I had been in dental school. She was in school. Mm-hmm. So she was in Georgia. I was in. She was in Augusta, Georgia. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. We were commuting, and so when uh, the baby was released after they spent. A, a third a of the year in the hospital, 2014, the baby, the baby was released and everybody came to Charlotte and we started our new life together. We kind of called it our second waiter. <laughs> From 2007 to 2014, I mean, our relationship was long mm-hmm. distance. Now, from 2007 to 2010, 2010. it was kind of on and off anyway. I was still growing up. But <laughs> Very <when> we, much so. <laughs> but when I made a decision to, to you know, really kind of grow up in 2010. and we, He came back yeah, with his head focused. Yes. Yeah, so 2014, they finally came home. And up until that time, it had been us. Even though it was long distance, we had a really strong relationship. Very heavy communication. Mm-hmm. Kind of asked any and every question you can imagine. We had five-hour conversations often. <laughs> every secret and it was great it was mm-hmm. just the two of us I was cool I enjoyed that that was I did fun too. I yeah. really did and then when they came home it was like a dynamic shift but not in a bad way mm-hmm. in a good way and the the kid Jay's you know our firstborn he he required a ton of attention because he was so small he was right. you know it was uh premature and I feel like I was settling in not as the student mom, but now it was all focused on me being a wife and a mother. And it really helped me relax. But I think it was a good time for us to just get to know each other on the level of being around each other all the time. And it really bonded us even closer. And so I think it was a good shift for us. It was a transition that helped bring us together as a family for sure. And, and, and she hit like this gear. I mean, it was like this Wonder Woman type of like, (laughs) seriously, like you just like hit this gear of like, yo, I'm rising up and ain't nothing going to happen to this baby. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I was fighting for my baby. (laughs) I mean, she was like one playing with it. Anybody came over the house, if they cough, you got to go. Because I had fought and been in the hospital so long. So it was no more of that. We had to go to the hospital, you know, every other week just for the pediatrician to say he was okay. So even if I mean, I remember one of my really close friends saying she would go to the bathroom, even if she had like a tickle in her throat, because she knew I wasn't playing games. Uh, You had to get out of the house. If you coughed around us, you had to go. Right. You get another gear. But it was fun. I mean, she... 
I was telling seminary and oh, traveling. Yeah, yeah, but she did everything, man. I didn't do. I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> I, I, I was grateful for her uh, gear uh, being kind of a control freak mom. That was great for me because I didn't have to do anything but kind of hang out. He likes to play with her. He didn't even like Jason until he was like six months old. <laughs> that's just the truth. He didn't like him because his head didn't have control. I'm like, he's a baby, Travis. But oh, I don't know. I remember him saying one day, I kind of like him now. I'm like, really? He's uh, 18 months old. That doesn't mean I didn't like him. It just okay. I, I grew in my appreciation mm-hmm. of him. But. That sounds so great. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about the story, and I was grateful for it because I had always been provided for by a mother. I had never had a male figure provide. And so I think it was God's intentionality in that although Travis didn't, his career didn't take off right away, we we were lied on. And that's one thing my mother always loved about him. He set good budgets and we live within our means. We never tried to live outside of where we were. And so, I mean, he would do like little things in our community in Charlotte, whatever it took, whatever we had was what he made for, I mean, all the way up until I didn't start doing dentistry until this year. So, I mean, I graduated 2014. It wasn't until April of 2018 that I ever even ventured into dentistry. And so he held it down. He really was the head of our household as far as it being a breadwinner or any type of income. So, yeah, I think he took good care of us. And I was grateful that God finally opened the door for me to start dentistry really recently. And it's been a really good dynamic shift for me to recognize how it adds to our platform and being able to love on people and minister even in the healthcare profession. It really, I think, speaks to us believing that we have to engage and not just do church inside of four walls, but take it everywhere we go and really shine that light in every area. Yeah. I don't I don't know if the confidence to provide for my family came um, within like within my own whatever. Mm -hmm. I think my confidence came on really based off of a promise that I had from God about my future. Like I was very confident about my future. Yes, he was. I was um, I wasn't shaking at all about that. Okay, eventually this thing is going to work like eventually. This music thing is gonna take off. I just, it was a, I just knew. I didn't have, I wasn't shaken about that at all. And I think that's where the confidence came. And so. You um, carried that faithfulness daily to just continuing to sow yeah. and be faithful to what he said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked really hard. I was always kind of a hard worker. Mm-hmm. So if I had an opportunity, I was gonna give my best no matter what it was, whether it was working at a church or just making music or writing for someone, mm-hmm. I was always gonna give my best. And so it was, as far as the music thing working, it it was an eventual thing. Like it just eventually, I knew it had to, um, and that's what my confidence was. As far as providing, they my wife isn't needy, mm-hmm. so she's really to say she comes from two doctors. You know, you would just never mm-hmm. know it. Like she's not. She was never like, oh, I gotta have this, so I need to go shopping, and she never made me feel less than. I mean, wow. and she 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 valued. Junior bacon things. cheeseburger from <laughs> Wendy's <girl>. as much <laughs> as a steak from Ruth Chris. It Absolutely. was literally and no probably cho- choose the first. Yeah, it was no difference in like her appreciation. It was like, oh, you got me some chicken fingers. I mean, you would have <laughs> thought that I like slayed a cow and you know, like she treated me like a hero, like I was doing something. And so there was ne- I never had from home ever in the history of our marriage, I never had the pressure to be anything other than who I was in that 
in that particular season of my life. Mm. And it was always enough for her. And so that made it easy for me too. So it was never any pressure like, I want a better car. Like she never said that. Or I want a bigger house. She never said that. Or I want, and it was just like, you know, or I want a bigger ring or I want whatever. It was like, whatever you can do means the world to me. And so that made my life a lot easier. My examples were very few with marriage. I have a, um, I have an uncle who's like a father to me, my uncle Johnny, and he was he was the really the only dad I knew growing up. And so watching he and my auntie, you know, that was a great depiction of marriage. And then, um, I mean, there were very few. You know, my mother is my mother is. Mm-hmm. She is Christian on steroids, so it just, <laughs> it just was no tolerance for nothing, nothing foolish in our house. I mean, oh you know, man, that's was, a whole other story. Yeah, it was. So Mama. she's a praying yes. woman, and that's all I saw growing up. And it was, you know, we just, you know, we're lucky to get to go to the movies every now and then, but it needed to be PG, you know, it was that kind of environment. But my mother is very domestic, so mm-hmm. she she's the woman. She's gonna cook three times a day. She cleans. She is very, and her whole family's like that. Like it's the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina thing. Like they're very like, oh, we take care of our family. Very mama bear, mm-hmm. you know that whole thing, and um, which is what I thought all women. Well, I just, that's my assumption. I'm like, so all women cook clean and, you know, that's just what it is. Um, well, I figured out that's not how all women work. Oh, that's so good. And, uh, my wife, she comes from a totally different. It's the exact opposite. It is the, uh, uh, as far as the East is from the West, <laughs> is the contrast of kind of what how my wife grew up. Her family, I mean, all the way through, you know, her family tree, her grandmother, and, you know, just keep going up. They're all business women. Yeah. You know, I mean, strong business women who have multiple degrees, who are all Mm -hmm. number one in their classes, who all, you know, have multiple businesses, it's that type of thing. So for her, you know, it was like, nah, like, that's just not me. I can count the times I've cooked on one hand, (laughs) you know, and... (laughs) That's just not me. and uh, But I appreciated that he accepted me for how I was. And I didn't know if that was going to be a struggle just because that is his mom's big thing. Like, she loves to cook. Like, she finds joy in cleaning. That's, I mean, I'll clean and do what I have to do, but cooking and stuff is just not what comes natural to me. Like, you know, you need me to balance the budget or something of that nature, get the bills paid, make sure these children are clothed. Cool. But, yeah, the country is not really my thing, so to speak. So. But I think it opened up some very, uh, you know, just thinking through, it opened up some very um, honest and necessary oh, yeah. dialogue for us of just expectation. Mm-hmm. And that came, it didn't come early though. Mm-hmm. That came like years it into marriage like- and it was like, you know, <laughs> man, I didn't really think about it, mm-hmm. but I think I do have an expectation of you to be like my mom. Like, man. And once we really kind of dug into that, I think it provided some you know, some clarity, some healing, some mm-hmm. real like expectations. Like that's not me, and it was like I know that's not you, but I think it's still part of me. Was still was kind of, of expecting mm-hmm. some some of those traits, and then just coming into appreciation of what she does do and the sacrifices she do make. It's not that she's not making any sacrifices; it's just that they look different, you yeah. know. And that was that was good for us to recognize.
if I think about just my expectations as it pertains to marriage, I would say I didn't really have a lot of them. I didn't have the example of a husband being there with, you know, to provide or anything of that nature. So to me, I feel like Travis was given a, a advantage in that I was somewhat open to whatever he brought to the table because I had only seen matriarchs, you know, just women providing. So I was very blessed that he would make the sacrifices and, and get it done for us. And so I always had an appreciation. I do believe that I grew in understanding. Um, for guess I guess the way his whole life worked you know getting up and taking early flights and doing things like that I didn't understand initially until I would go on the road with him and understand how demanding early lobby calls and interview at the interview because it just seemed like him doing his dream and having fun for a long time but when I went on the road I understood how much of demand and how much of a sacrifice he was making and so when it was me waking up at 3 a.m every morning to feed the babies and do different things like that I had an appreciation like I need to make sure that that he gets the rest that he needs and different things like that. So I think it was a learning process for me, although I don't think that I had any guns that I stuck to as it pertains to what I expected a husband to look like because I didn't have an example of it. I think for me, looking at our marriage and just taking into consideration that men do naturally set their schedule and this is what they're going to do without consideration for the family demands. For a while, it was something that I really, I kept internal. I kind of just swallowed it and I think I would have internal wars. Like he doesn't think about maybe I would like to just go take a nap or not have to eat with two babies on my lap or, you know, it's just a small thing. Sometimes you could just want to I don't go to the bathroom by yourself and that's just not something that women has have the luxury of doing sometimes so <laughs> I would sometimes yeah, make, I, said, I can't eat with no baby on my lap and I need, he's extreme like I oh no space. no please move so yeah, don't taste good. I need space to yeah really I need the table close yeah, and all of that and so <laughs> I would mention it sometimes what I recognize, it, so, so say for instance, he would get home after he's already made his schedule and done everything and I've been at home all day with the children. And say, say for instance, his friends would come over, he wants to go play basketball. You want to go play basketball, oh really? Like, and I've been here all day. Maybe, you know, you want to take the children and bathe them today so that I could just take a breather. And I would sometimes mention like, well, Trav, like, you think they could, you could do ball tomorrow? And I could see that there was some frustration there initially. And so I started to try to get wiser into understanding what would be a better method of trying to help him understand. And I think as we started talking about taking the plight of each other, like in the same way I said, learning lobby calls and everything. How about you try looking through my lens at how life looks? Because while you're in Dubai, I'm here in Columbia, South Carolina with the same responsibilities. And I think as we were, I think considerate enough to just take the moment to see it from each other's shoes. He would just naturally start to do a little more. I would tell you a lot of that happened as a result of a lot of prayer. I am one that I learned that nagging is the worst thing for Travis. Like just coming in like, well, will you help me with the kids? It's just not something that's going to get through to him. It's in soft moments where we might be watching a movie and like, baby, we're like, I'm really tired. And he would hear my heart and how I feel and my emotions as well as praying a lot. There were times where I wanted more affection or times where I wanted him to understand or see my sacrifices through praying. Somehow he would start talking about stuff that I had only talked to God about. And it really made a huge difference. I, I'm a huge proponent of praying about the things that frustrate you and that hurt you. And then 
The other thing that I would add is I would I stopped being a complainer about the things that I didn't like as it pertains to like so my boys they like to sing his songs and do little things around the house. He's really busy, his mind has been stretched all day. And so when I could see he was not plugged into the house, I would just go sit him in his lap and like, baby, look, he's doing something cool. I would bring him into the moment rather than say, Look, you're not in the moment. I don't think that helps anybody. I think when you help to engage what you want to see, it helps make the thing happen. So yeah, I hope that helps. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I definitely value um, her sacrifices as a mother and a wife. And um, I think uh, and honest conversations that we've had, it's just made me more aware. Mm. There's certain things that, you know, I see, but I don't understand. All right. What I mean by that is like, I see her being a mom, you know, I see her waking up, you know, I can't, I just, <laughs> I don't have that in my repertoire. I, wake up, I, I did it the other day and I, it was just bad, but I see all the efforts and stuff, but I don't think as a man, I don't think I really comprehend the weight. the weight of it, you know, and the cost of it until she let me know that I'm just like, man, that's, that's interesting. Or, or even like if I have to, like um, just a moment of experience and just. <laughs> I I'm, go to the nail shop yeah, for two hours and yeah. I get called three or four times. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, look, man. These kids, you know, how do you do this? Like, these boys are like everywhere and screaming, baby. I don't know. When are you coming home? You know, um, and just those moments of any time I've had to keep them alone. I'm like, oh, man, she's a rock star. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no idea how she do this. But those moments to me, you know, they, they spark an appreciation that I may not have had just from a lack of understanding to be able to be to my sons what I I only had a few years of um, is uh, there's nothing in this world that's like it to me. It, it, it's definitely my top two or three uh, most appreciated and valued things on the planet. For me, you know, my my one year old, he's about to turn two, mm-hmm. uh, which was the age of my, my younger sister when my father died. My four-year-old, he'll be five his next birthday. That's how, how old I was. Um, so looking at them at the stage in their life, you know, almost every day it goes to my mind, like, man, like, you know, they get to have a dad. And um, those moments I, I value, you know, and time is just so funny, man. It moves mm. so fast. It so, goes so fast. Yeah, so I'm looking at them like, man, they're getting older. Like, and it makes me want to cherish just the moments of being able to get in the ground and, I play with them on the floor. I, I took my little man to the gym a couple of days ago mm-hmm. and let him work out with me and put up some shots <laughs> and, and on the court. And so um, those are just things I know that, you know, will make a huge impact on their life because um, I only had a few years of them and I'm excited about the, the idea of them having a lifetime of it. For me, um, it's huge because I dealt with the lack thereof and just recognizing how fathers speak identity over you. They solidify the call and the, the beauty that God has gifted you with. And even, I wouldn't say that Travis is a father figure in any way to me, but having a male presence as a husband brought so much more security to my life. And it aided me in being brave enough to step out there to live my own truth that, that God had said about me. And so I know Jason, Josh, having a father there daily to reaffirm 
government to speak over them, it will only aid them going further faster. And I love the healthiness that it brings. And I just think it's one of the best gifts God could have ever given us. And one of the biggest things I think just as a married couple in general that Jason and Josh get from my side is seeing a wife submitted to a husband. I love him and there is never a negative word that they ever hear. And that's not like I keep bad, you know, bad stuff from them, but he is really a man of, man of integrity. Like the songs he sings and the word he preaches in public, he lives. And I'm grateful that we're not this people on the pulpit that we're not in our closed bedroom. It's the biggest gift I think we could ever give to Jason and Josh as they go forward in life that we live the life that we speak about publicly. And so, man, I think they will gain a true appreciation for it even as they get older too. You know, what I'm really hoping to be able to teach my boys um, is to always value women to um, understand who they are, that they're queens mm-hmm. um, and not uh, doormats, you know? And so I think the way that they see me honor their mom is something that they're, you know, I'm going to eliminate excuses for them to treat women in any way other than as a, as a prized possession. So I think they see that and that, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. To be very honest, we're not by nature argumentative and that's not something and we're grateful for it. That has been been, um, something that's been very present in our marriage. I can probably count on one hand the number of arguments we had and they happened more early on just in us learning conflict resolution. I learned that he will naturally say stuff very harshly when he's angry that he may not have meant. But I know that I don't take well people saying things because I won't forget it. I would naturally shut down if I got angry and you hurt my feelings. I'm not talking to you. He takes that as dishonor. And so we had to work through some of those things very early on. And I think after we kind of got that settled, we recognized two timing is crucial. And so we don't run up on each other just saying anything just because we feel it. And we feel like we need to get it off our chest. I think that we definitely are very considerate of the moment. Maybe it needs to be a better mood. Maybe we're watching a movie or we're just down in our room just having some time to kind of talk about the situation. So I don't think they've ever seen us argue. I mean, I can't remember one time. Can you? No, no, no. It's yeah. just not our nature. We're not. Yeah, and it's not that we keep arguing like from them. From them. We just don't argue. It's yeah. the crazy thing. <laughs> we just, we really, I think seven years of Maturing. being forced to communicate over the phone taught us how to communicate. Mm-hmm. So we, we do a really good job of um, voicing our concerns, our opinions in a manner that, that won't lead to an argument. That's to true. just try to resolve and find solutions for different things. But I think we're both very understanding of each other. And we're, we're self-aware too. That's what I was saying. <laughs> we're very self-aware. So if we bring something to the other, nine out of 10, we've already known that or seen that in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I know, man. I just You're right. Do <laughs> but, um, so our boys, they don't, yeah, they, they, they never really see us. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. I think it's a good thing, but they never see us argue. So if they get in a relationship in there, the they're going to be like, what is that? that? I don't understand. I don't understand the tone. Now nah, they don't hear what's pop off at them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because they are boys and they mm-hmm. are active. So we got to get them together every now and then. But. Yeah. I feel like marriage made every part of my life better. If I think about my freedom to just live and 
not be so uptight. I, it would point back to him if I think about um, me getting better at being a dentist or speaking or even preaching. Everything that I've stepped out to do, he would always be the biggest coach where he would tell me the things that I needed to get better, but he would be my greatest cheerleader as well. He's not one that sugarcoats it, but at the same time, he doesn't devalue or take from me. And so I think even in times where I get uptight, my boys are sick or maybe he's he's only four years old, but he's not gripping his pimp so right he's the one to say baby it's okay he's four he just calms me down and I think he brings a level of settling in every way to who I am he helped me learn to love my natural beauty and I've heard small things and I don't know if you've ever heard this and this actually came up recently we were actually um, doing some marriage counseling with a couple and she was talking about how her husband wanted her to press her hair straight and I remembered in the moment thinking he's never told me I want your hair to be a certain way and I valued that in that moment because I don't know what that would make me feel like being I've had very big hair struggles and different things like that in my own walk of just womanhood. He's always really accepted the way I was. And I love that. She stole a few of my key words. <laughs> being one of them. Uh, I, I think uh, marriage has really calmed me and taught me balance. I was very ambitious Ooh. early on. <laughs> oh man, I wanted nothing. All in now. <laughs> yeah, I wanted nothing more than my dream to come to pass. I mean, that was my. Uh, I was driven by it. I mean, I was motivated by it. It was the first thing on my mind when I woke up, and the last thing when I went to sleep. And so, I was easily impressed by others. And when you're impressed by others, attached to that is often your need to impress others. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of bound by the, both of those. I just wanted to make it, just wanted to be successful, just wanted to prove doubters wrong and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of that stuff. <laughs> and uh, when she came, um, she told me something early on. She might have been 19, 20 max, but she told me something early on. I called her and I was busy, you know, I was in my early 20s, I wasn't doing anything, but I'm running around like, oh, I got a meeting and I got, you know, I got the session and I'm I'm here, I'm, I'm here and there. She told me something years ago. She said, she said, hey, Travis. I said, what's up? You know, you don't have to impress me, right? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I know, I know, you know, I ain't gonna try, I ain't gonna try, I ain't gonna try. But that I never like could get that out of my system. It was one of those things that just kind of like shook my world. And um, from there, I, I, I think and attached to that was really even God liberating my heart to know that I don't have to impress him either. And, and so it just calmed me down to like knowing that I am accepted, I am enough, like just chill, dude, just chill. And so it was necessary early on, especially because of the things that's going on in our lives now, you know, from Forward City Church in Columbia that we pastored to, you know, the music career, to uh, dentistry, to our new book, Permission. I mean, we have a really loud life now. Mm -hmm. And if my identity was found in our accomplishments, it would would cause me to self-destruct. But she brought that, she really brought the health to me, I think, emotionally and mentally of knowing, like, dude, you're you're actually okay without all Any of everything it. else. So before everything else came, I really learned how to chill. Mm-hmm. Because of her. <laughs>